You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. My name is Mary Clark. You can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, who you can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Tuesday edition of the Crosscheck, we've got important and serious updates about the scary COVID situation coming out of Vancouver. We've also got trade deadline prep ahead of the April 12th deadline, including some of our predictions as to who the buyers and sellers of the big day will be, alongside our Crosscheck of the Week, debating what the Predators should do at the deadline this year. So, Andrew, before we start off today's show, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. We had a bit of a scare this weekend. Uh, Our youngest started daycare and, uh, of course, didn't even make it four half days without catching something. We we were told by other people who we knew who started daycare this year that it wasn't as bad as usual because of all the extra precautions. But we still caught something the first first week back or first weekend. And he had a fever and a cough. And we were like, oh, crap, that's that's two symptoms. We might have to get him tested. So we, we put him to bed last night. And we were like, if he wakes up in the morning and his temperature is still above normal, then uh, well, we're going to have to bring him in for a test. And if we had to bring him in for a test, then the oldest has to stay home as well, obviously. And we all have to isolate and it's, you know, 24 hours away for a test. So it's like the four day weekend with two kids becomes at least a six day weekend, plus the possibility of, you know, who knows what can go wrong after that. You know, I have asthma. So yeah, was a bit, a bit of a scare, but uh, he's fine. He tested totally normal t- this morning. He was all smiles and happy to be playing around after a pretty cranky weekend. So everybody's healthy. We're ready to talk hockey. Yeah, that's good to hear. Uh, always sucks um, when there's some sort of, you know, think possible family emergency and all that. So it's good to know that everybody's, you know, safe and healthy. I mean, unfortunately, uh, I lost my computer to a, a really dumb dumb way i dropped it broke my screen uh been working off a double monitor setup here so i'm doing okay but that is definitely not as bad as your situation could have been i'm just i'm just you know I, i'm more embarrassed that i did it to myself uh that it was like a self-inflicted wound <laughs> and i had to shell out the money to buy a new computer because i i definitely can't keep going the way it is it's it's the screen that's broken it's not the computer itself thankfully so that's why i'm able to you know still record and all that but it was all oh, that yesterday when I did that, I, I knew <laughs> I knew I messed up big time. <laughs> yeah, I actually did almost the exact same thing to my last computer before the current one that I have. It, it, it fell off of uh, like a coffee table and the screen <laughs> just it didn't crack. It just stopped working. And I was like, oh, well, like I, I can feel like things are starting up, but it keeps on like shutting back down. So I brought it into the Apple store and they're like, yeah, well, the screen's attached to the logic board and it's going to cost you like 1100 bucks to fix. And I was like, yeah, just, just buy a new computer at that point. Yeah. yeah I'm just going to buy a new not... computer. <laughs> All right. Well, we should probably dive into some hockey topics. Speaking of, you know, sickness, getting tested. Mm-hmm. Big story in the NHL right now is the Canucks COVID situation. Um, so currently they've had at least over 20 positive tests in the organization and at least 17 of them were players as of Tuesday. Um, it started with Adam Gaudet, who was pulled from last Tuesday's practice after results from the Monday test were positive. Then Travis Hammond participated in Wednesday morning's skate before the same day testing revealed a positive test about 90 minutes before their game against the Flames. That game was postponed. So they had about two on a sessions with infected players 
And since then, it's kind of cascaded from there. And we've seen a bunch of players test positive. Um, I don't remember who reported this. I think it was maybe Elliot Friedman or someone from Sportsnet that at least one uh, player had to be visited with like IV treatments. Um, It's the Brazilian strain of the virus. So it's 1.4 to 2.2 times more infectious than the UK variant. Um, It's a it's a pretty serious situation, I guess. Uh, up in Vancouver right now, probably more serious than we've seen uh, in the NHL this year. I mean, we had the Dallas uh, situation outbreak. We had Buffalo. We had New Jersey. But this is the new variant, one of the new variants, and it's uh, causing quite a lot of havoc up in um, Vancouver right now. Yeah, it's legitimately kind of scary. I mean, you, you talk to like uh, I know a few ICU doctors that uh, you know I went to university with and. They're talking about like how scary everything is right now for them because they've been through, you know, a year now of warnings and things getting out of control and settling down a little bit. And this one, they're like, no, no, it's not the elderly that are in the hospital anymore. It's the young people. They're reacting really poorly to this. And it it's become like, obviously, the vaccine rollout is going uh, a little bit smoother in the United States because they're the ones making the vaccines, <laughs> whereas Canada decided that they didn't want to uh, have the capacity to make vaccines back in like the late 80s, early 90s when uh, Brian Mulroney was in charge, which our American listeners probably won't know who that is, but he was a former prime minister for the Conservative Party. Yeah, I was about to say I'm kind of stumped on that one, but thank you for yeah, uh, explaining. Yeah. So uh, basically, the Conservatives, we had a crown corporation, essentially, which is like uh, a government owned company that produced uh, vaccines and uh, drugs. And Mm -hmm. he was like, well, well, conservatives like classically just do not like the government owning businesses here. Uh, They hate the CBC, which is our government owned uh, news business. Not really a business, but government funded news. Uh, They constantly sell things off. Uh, We used to have like a gasoline company, Petrocan, I believe used to be a crown corporation that was sold off. So during this era of selling off these crown corporations and just kind of pocketing the money and pretending that you made like a, a balanced budget instead of overspending on stupid things. Um, you know, uh, we've obviously lost a lot of things and thrown out uh, the baby with the bathwater and it's, it's really hurt us here. And it looks like the Canadian government is now trying to set up labs to create vaccine supply if this happens again, but obviously it's not something you can do overnight. So we're behind and mm-hmm. this whole third wave thing that's happening and like there's hope on the horizon that we are getting more vaccines now, but the way that this is ripped through the Canucks like it, it's interesting to see like there was nothing in the North division until a couple of weeks ago when the Canadians had a, one case. And yeah. Well, I think the associated. Oilers, the Oilers too, didn't they have like one or two players? Like they had a, a false month positive. Or so ago? Oh, it was a false positive. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I think it was Puglia RV had a false positive And then okay. he had like, I think three negative tests in a row when they were able to do, to go ahead. And the, the Canadians had one player. I, I believe it was UL Armia. It might've been just Barry Kokanami. One of the two of them, uh, tested positive and one of the two of them was like in close contact but didn't mm-hmm. and then this vancouver thing dropped and it like you said it's ripped through worse than anywhere else uh, like buffalo has been uh eric stall when he was traded to the canadians in his uh, like welcome to town interview mentioned like coronavirus really ripped through that locker room and guys just didn't recover and that's mm-hmm. part of the reason why their season has gone so badly into the toilet but this vancouver thing it's like, it's not just scary in terms of like, oh, well, like they struggle the rest of the season because they were already struggling. But like, are these players going to be okay? Yeah, it's scary in the medical sense. I mean, yes. it, 
all of the coronavirus stuff is incredibly scary. And thankfully, I mean, in, I'm in the United States. I've been vaccinated. I'm out of the two week inoculation period. Congratulations. So thank you. I was very lucky to get one. I know it's been a struggle for a lot of people to get them. Um, so hopefully when your time has come, take it if you if you so choose. Uh, but you should. And but yeah, I mean, I know that this is scary because it's a new variant too. I think that's the reason why this is getting, this is to me, it's more serious than the, you know, saber stuff. And because all that stuff, from what I remember, they weren't the variants. They were just your regular basic COVID. Yeah. Just the old strength. one that we've been yeah. sheltering inside yeah. for a year. And, like, and, and it's since mutated into different types of strains. And um, I mean, when I saw that thing about, I, one of the players being on like an like getting like an IV treatment. I was like, wow, this is like, it's crossed into that like very serious next level. And it's not even just for the players, but their families and stuff as well. That's like, like, yeah, it's just, it's very scary. And I hope that, you know, they can get through it. Nothing happens in terms of like deaths or serious, you know, serious side effects that last long-term, but yeah, I mean, we've, yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation and it really is, you kind of have to take the on ice stuff out of it at this point. Like they've been shut down for like a, what a week now, it seems, I think four games have been postponed and it's going to be like probably another week or two, like before they even get to practice again. But for me, it's the uh, human element of the whole thing of, I just want to make sure everybody's okay and safe. Yeah. And, and that comes like that kind of brings us to the next point of like, is this a situation where it's in danger of at the very least shutting down the North Division? And obviously it seems right now that it's contained to the Vancouver Canucks, but, mm -hmm. you know, the Brazil variant is kind of ripping through uh, uh, British Columbia right now. I don't think it necessarily stops at the border. There's a lot of people who are free moving mm -hmm. throughout the country right now. Like there's a lot more questionable situations coming up, I think, than people want to admit. And I know I've seen some people say like, like the flat out, just shut, shut the season down, shut the season down. And obviously the NHL is not going to do that. Yeah. As uh, sports will go as long as they can and avoid responsibility mm -hmm. and put their players on the line. Uh, you know, the players also want to play, but I mean, the players also want to play through concussions. Yeah. It's, it, it's close now. Like if I see if there's another report of say another team gets this variant, I think mm -hmm. it's worth discussing whether the, the North division should continue. I remember um, when it was the Sabres um, their like outbreak happened and it started to impact the flyers and like the Bruins and all that. Um, I was a very big proponent of like stopping the season or at least that division for like um, a week or two to, you know, get everything like to let the virus run its course and not infect anybody else. Um, so that other teams caught it. I wonder if that's something that the North division should maybe do if you're right, if another team picks this up, uh, cause we've seen how fast it spreads through a team and it, it's, definitely concerning and um i've i've also i understand where people are coming from in terms of the shut the season down i i completely understand that and i i agree in a sense but you're also right that 
the NHL isn't going to do that at this point. They're not going to take the whole thing. They're not going to take the whole thing out. They're they're going to they're going to do their best to make money. They've got fans back in the stands and I don't know all arenas, but a large portion of them. Uh, definitely not in Canada, but a lot of the ones I've seen in the U.S. have fans in them. So they're trying to make money, trying to recoup their losses. It's not going to happen, even though it shutting down the season is probably is the safest measure they could take. But yeah, I mean, they're already talking about, I don't know if this is, it's, if it's confirmed, it might be that they're, you know, going to extend the season a little bit. Um, Cause they had like a little buffer in like in the middle of May before the playoffs started. So I think they're going to have to extend the season, but yeah, I mean, if it gets any worse, they, they may have to shut it down and, you know, start the North division playoffs a little bit later than the rest of the league. Cause what can you do? You can't like put a team out there on the ice with no players. Yeah. And, and that's like one of the things that I've, I, I was kind of checking to see like reactions from different people, like some of them serious and some of them more like tongue in cheek. Cause you know, people deal with this kind of stuff in a different way. Sometimes they, you tell jokes to get over like how mm-hmm. upsetting something is. Right. Yeah. But I thought there was kind of one idea that was very, like Disney movie to the point where I almost want to see it. And it's like, if the Canucks get to a point where, you know, like players can't continue, like there's enough adverse health effects that they don't have enough guys to fill out a roster to play. And also they've had uh, outbreaks in their uh, American hockey league team as well. So like they don't have any reinforcements from what, or at least not as many as usual coming from there is like what if other North division teams were able to like loan their American hockey league players to the Canucks to like finish out the season. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wouldn't that be interesting to see that happen? And they just go on a crazy run. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking up now where the, where the Canucks currently stand in the North division, just to see, you know, where I don't think they're going anywhere, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're fifth place right now, uh, 35 points. Um, to the Montreal's 43 and Montreal has two games in hand on them for that fourth spot. Um, I don't think they're going to hit the what 56 games we're supposed to have this year. I mean, I know the NHL wants the teams to get to that threshold for a full season, but I do wonder if we're getting to that point where they're going to have to start to look at points percentage. Um, Cause we're, extending the season so is only going to get you so far and then it will impact you know the stanley cup final and they have their dates set out they have their important dates set out for you know the rest of the season they could probably Mm -hmm. move things a little bit but the fact that there's also the expansion draft uh with seattle on the way complicates things too they probably want to have the next season the 2021-2022 season start as close to on time in the fall as they can get yeah. Um, so moving, like sliding things around too much will impact that greatly. Um, I mean, who knows where we where we'll be in the fall, regardless, like in terms of like COVID. But I think that's where the NHL is looking at right now. So they might have to um, go points percentage wise. But yeah, it wouldn't be surprising. I know, I know that like for the Canadians, because they missed a, a week with mm-hmm. their positive tests. I think it was a week. It might've been actually a little bit more than that. Uh, they have two games that are set that where it would have been between the end of the season and the start of the playoffs. So they've already extended it for, for them. And uh, I th- think Edmonton is one of the teams that they're playing and maybe Toronto. Uh, so 
with Vancouver, like this much later in the game, uh, they're probably going to be out for uh, like stuck for longer on the sidelines. I would not be surprised at all if uh, they're not able to finish their games. Yeah. Um, it really is an unfortunate situation for them. Um, not only on the ice, but more so off the ice with everything that's going on. And like we said, we can only hope for the safety of everybody involved at this point and, you know, hope things, you know, not return to normal, but get back to, they're able to get back to return to health. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. Coming up next, should Nashville be buyers or sellers at this week's trade down? deadline it's our cross check of the week coming up next with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry with rockauto.com you have access to their auto parts at home on your computer and in your pocket on your phone rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Andrew, it's trade deadline time. We've got some trade deadline talk coming up in these last couple segments of our show. But first off, we're going to start with the Nashville Predators and our cross-check of the week. Should Nashville be buyers or sellers at this trade deadline? Yeah, it's kind of funny to me that it's even come to the point where they're asking about being buyers. Uh, I saw a couple of people that I follow from Nashville in media there this like just this morning talking about like, Oh, what would it cost Nashville to get Taylor hall? And I was like, guys, you don't have the assets. (laughs) Like what do you have left? Like, wasn't it last year? Their first pick in the draft was like the third or fourth round. Like, I, I know that they went for it several years in a row and they thought that they were doing the right thing and getting Matt Deshane, but I just, I don't see it with this team. I just don't think that they're particularly well built and the guys who, you know, like get you through are starting to get on the wrong side of uh, the age scale there. Mm-hmm. Like I still really like Philippe Forsberg. I think Victor Arvidsson has suffered so many injuries over the last couple of years that I, I just wonder if, the peak level of Victor Arvidsson will ever be back again. And if he's not, it's like, okay, then who's your second best scorer? Like Matt Deshane isn't what people thought he was. I feel like this is the third team that's bought on Matt Deshane as like a first line center. And uh-huh. he just has never been that. Yeah. The, the, the diminishing returns of Matt Deshane is definitely 
something else. Um, I guess though we should set up Nashville's current situation. They're eight and two in their last 10. Um, I believe they've won nine of their last 11 games. Um, fourth in the central right now um, at 39 games played um, two points above the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, currently it's, They've really, this last week and a half for them since they've turned it on, like they've turned on the Jets, has really made us, like, has made me question what they should do because we were talking a month or so ago. I mean, people were talking that they're, they're the people to buy from. If you're a, if you're a contender this year, like, I mean, Matthias Ekholm is one of the big names being thrown around, but now it's like, does Nashville sell? Do they keep their, do they keep their pieces and just try and roll with what they've got? Or do they actually buy at the deadline? Are they like actually like going to give it a shot? Like another one more shot, like we've seen from them over the years. Um, to me, it's a very interesting question. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't think they should be buyers at the deadline. I don't really think there's any like way to salvage this team as it is. Like you said, people are like go after Taylor Hall, but like, what do they have to be able to, like pick up like somebody like Taylor Hall. It's to me, it's delaying, not only delaying the inevitable, but like, I don't think you'll be able to get good value on stuff like Ekholm later in the, like later in the off season, especially because the expansion draft is coming up. They're going to lose somebody this year, this summer for nothing. Yeah. So in my opinion, unload what you can before the expansion draft and even the numbers don't look good for them either. Right now they have a minus 14 goal differential. Um, I mean, I know that the central isn't, you know, the biggest, most flashiest uh, uh, division this year, but look at the teams above them. I mean, Florida is at a plus 27. Tampa Bay is at a plus 37. Carolina is a plus 28. Minus 14 isn't going to cut it. They're not like, if they're getting into the playoffs, they're probably going to be like lunch meat for one of the top teams in that division. I mean, you probably yeah. could say that about anybody in that spot, in that fourth spot, but still. Well, and, and that is kind of like the whole like issue with buying at the deadline, right? Is you have to learn like when is your year, yeah. right? And I, I feel like Nashville has kind of like, they didn't notice as fast as they should have when things kind of went off the rails. And I think they made that big trade, uh, you know, essentially clearing cap space for, Matt Duchesne and uh, getting rid of PK Subban. And I don't know if they thought that that was like training defense for offense that they would, you know, like rejig how it was going, but like it was clear before that trade that the formula wasn't working and like the best chance that they had to win was gone. Right. Like when they went to the Stanley cup final, that was the year for them and they never really had it. They never had the same magic again. Uh, they were still a good team, but like every year since then, they've consistently gotten less effective and like they're around even this year in shot attempt differential at even strength. They're just below even in expected goals. And it's like, at a certain point you have to think, are we a team that our goal is to make the playoffs or is our goal to do something? Mm -hmm. And if their goal is to do something, then they can't like, you have to recognize that this isn't it. Yeah, nope. and they're going to have to run through. I mean, with the way the playoffs are set up this year, you're going to have to go through your division first before you get to the semifinal or whatever the NHL is calling it this year. So they're going to have to get through two of 
Florida, Tampa Bay, or Carolina. Considering where they're at this year, there's there's like a major separation between those teams in Nashville. I mean, even Florida, who currently is leading the Central Division with 56 points, may I just say, which is a topic for another time, probably, but they're gonna have to they're gonna have to run through two of those teams. And I don't see, even if they buy at the deadline, I don't think any piece on the market is going to be is going to be what gets them over, in my opinion, especially because this we don't know how active the deadline is going to be. I mean, they were supposed to be, I guess, one of the top sellers. And if they're not selling, who is who's going to buy? Who's going to buy? Like, yeah, yeah, like the market is going to be. I we're probably like we say this every year, it's probably no moves going to be made. I know we hope that it's going to be a nice free flowing day and, you know, big big names get traded and it rivals the NBA in terms of hype that never happens. No, it never does. And like, even on years where there are bigger trades, like it's, it's very rare for a team to make a trade that really pushes them from like just making it into competitive territory. Yeah. And you know, Taylor Hall is a great player. I really like Taylor Hall this year. He doesn't appear to be that kind of player. No, exactly. And, And it's again, like at a certain point, Nashville needs something down the middle. Right. And you know, Ryan Johansson's fine. He's like a fringe first line center kind of thing. And Matt Deshane's kind of the same thing. So you got two second line centers, which would work if you had a ton of depth, but they don't really, you know, like they lost Craig Smith in the off season, who I think was a big deal for them. Uh, he added a lot into their middle six. I, I just, I think that teams need to be better at recognizing when is the end of the line and mm-hmm. time to do a, a bit of a reset. And like, maybe for the national predators, that's intimidating because you've got guys like Roman Yossi and Philippe Forsberg who are still not necessarily in their prime prime, but like Yossi did just win a Norris. Uh, it's hard to say to those guys, well, we're not going to go for it anymore. We're going to take a couple years to reset and like, you're going to waste two years of your career at least, mm-hmm. but like they're, they're just so thin on assets. They have, I think the worst prospect pool in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've just pushed so hard to get to where they are and it didn't pay off. And it, it's a hard pill to swallow, but at a certain point you have to like count your chips, leave and come back mm-hmm. on a better day. And they just haven't been able to, to make that choice. And man, I, I just don't see a, a way forward for this team. That's easy. I, yeah. I think that they deserve to win the year that they lost, yeah. which is unfortunate, but man, it, it's, it, 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 I know so many people in that market that it makes me feel bad for a lot of people, but I am just not seeing it with Nashville. And I think that if they buy this year, it's just going to be like pain for a long time. I feel like what's going to end up happening is not only are, is the team going to continue to be mediocre and not like be able to build for the future, but then what's going to end up happening is just because bad things always happen in sequence, right? Like there's a bunch of mm-hmm. things that happen at one time, something's going to happen. And instead of playing out the rest of his career, Shea Weber is going to retire with like one year left on his deal <laughs> and have like a $20 million cap hit that they have to work mm-hmm. around. Like something like crazy is going to happen to that team unless they figure something out. And I, I just want to see them make the practical move because I think that there's a lot of people in that organization who are pretty smart. But uh, it, it just doesn't look like it. I guess, is there any argument we can give to that other side of should they be buyers? I mean, David Poyle has been able to add pieces to this team. I mean, some have been some have been hits, some have been misses. 
But uh, you made a compelling argument in terms of, is it worth giving this core one last shot? They had that run in 2017 against, against all odds. They made it to the, the Stanley Cup final against the Penguins and lost. Like, it, I know that's how the chips fall sometimes, but I guess, do you give it one last shot? Is, is, I guess, is there any argument for Poyle to not give up on the team considering they won nine of their last 11 games and made it to this spot. <laughs> I think if anything, if, if you're David Poyle, if you tell them like, listen, we're not the top team in, in the division, right? But mm-hmm. I believe in you guys. I'm not going to add anything. If we're going to do anything this year, it's because some people in this room drive us towards success. We're a tight knit group. We're going to go for it. We don't need to add anything. And like that, I can understand. Like they don't need to start tanking all of a sudden, but adding at the deadline, especially like a big time player like Taylor Hall. Nah, I I, I can't, (laughs) I can't think of any reason to do that for them. Like, I don't think it necessarily fits what they need. I don't think that uh, it would make them a competitor. I, I think if they want to try to go on a run and be like the pesky team that surprises people go for it. I think that's, you know, that's fun. And mm-hmm. that's that's good for the guys in that room, but I don't think they should be bringing in reinforcements. Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, why not stand pat and give these guys uh, who worked their way into this position? Because we basically all wrote Nashville off like a month or so ago. Like I was saying, they were the people we were looking to see who was going to get sold off that team. It was like free yes. real estate for the rest of the NHL. But why not, I guess, stand pat at the deadline give it a go with the guys you've got since they were able to get you into this position to begin with, see where the chips fall. And you never know, I guess with the NHL playoffs, we've seen crazy things happen. Like the Tampa Bay lightning get swept out of the first round a couple years back. So anything can happen. And I think that's going to be interesting to see where they land, especially by this time next week where the trade deadline will be over. So We'll find out, I guess, who at the deadline is moving things. And coming up next, we will have more trade deadline talk after this. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for your season long dynasty and DFS league. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, before we get back into it, on Monday, we're going to do a four-hour locked-on NHL live trade deadline show from noon to 4 p.m. Eastern time on the Locked On Live YouTube. It'll be with local hosts, breaking down the day, reacting to trades, or not if they happen. Hope to see you there. So, Andrew, like we've been teasing up all show, trade deadline talk. It's coming up on Monday. So exciting to sit around all day and watch <laughs> nothing happen. Yes, I love Okay. I'll admit, I love trade deadline time because of the anticipation I have of a move that may or may not happen. Most of the times it doesn't happen, but I do love the 
buildup we get from trade deadline time. Anything can happen. Your star player can be gone. You could get a star player in return. It's one of those things. I like the, you know, anticipatory hype I get from it, even though it really never pays out. So we talked a bit about the Predators, if they should be buyers and sellers or not. So I guess the big thing I want to start off with is that Kyle Palmieri sat out for the Devils in anticipation of a possible trade, as his agent talked about on Twitter or some social media, I believe. So that's a that's a possible name that could get moved. We've also got we're also going to talk, I guess, about who we think the buyers and sellers overall are going to be at the deadline. But I guess your thoughts on Kyle Palmieri and the Devils to start off. I mean, Palmieri's a really good player. He's been a good player for a long time. I don't think he's having like that great of an offensive season, but he also plays for the Devils. <laughs> but he's been like remarkably resilient to like Devils itis. You know, like most players have really struggled there. Uh, it's really been like him and Taylor Hall who've really stood out as uh, great players in the Devils organization over the last five years or so. He's just, you know, really consistent. He's a 25 goal guy, 50 point guy. He drives play. He plays hard at both ends. He's the kind of guy that like, you know he's good, and then at the deadline, you're like, whoa, they paid a lot for him because mm-hmm. every team wants him. You know, he, he's got, like, a little bit of a physicality to his game. He's got, like, some power forward tendencies. He's actually moved above Hall on TSN's trade board as, like, like the highest value assets. Huh. But they also have David Savard at number one, so I'm kind of ske- skeptical about uh, <laughs> that situation. I mean, I know right D are always in demand, but mm-hmm. uh, David Savard, to me, is just okay yeah i guess paul Paul mary has like a digestible cap hit too yeah i was gonna say paul mary is probably a bit more like easier to fit than somebody like a taylor hall Um, yeah and especially because 20 goal scores they're worth it at the deadline if you're if you're a team looking to compete and you want that extra punch in the bottom half of your lineup um not necessarily as like a star player but a, a good depth signing somebody like when the lightning went out and won their Stanley cup, they got Barkley Goudreau at the, at the deadline as a shore up piece. I mean, maybe not the same in terms of like point producing, but still adding depth at the deadline is, I guess, a key for a lot of teams. Uh, So it's something I could see happening, especially because there was such a big uh, wave made when he sat out and then his agent came out and directly said, yeah, he's sitting because a trade is possibly on the way. Um, So that's somebody I could definitely see moving. Um, And he's been a devil for a pretty long time. Looks like six years since the 2015, 16 season. Um, It's basically reliably put up over 20 goals, like close to 25 um, a season for them. And And like like a 40 to 50 point player too. Yeah. Like he's got a a good mix of like decent volume and high percentage plays. So like, He's the kind of guy where you can kind of slot on any line, right? Like he mm-hmm. he's he's dangerous. He's not uh, he's just a guy that you don't have to worry about. He's not a guy where you're acquiring him at the deadline and you're like, oh well, is this gonna upset the apple cart? He just seems like a really good locker room guy, really good team guy, fits in anywhere, and he's uh, kind of like the. You know, like every deadline, there's like a depth move that works out way better than anybody expects it to. It's like mm-hmm. Kyle Palmieri is that but better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll be, it. it's 
exciting to see, I guess, you know, where he'll go. Um, Cause it definitely seems like he's probably one of the guys we know is going to go um, if they find the, the right market for him um, of course, cause you never know with way things go down flat cap, all that. Um, another big team that could be selling is the ducks. Is it open season on the ducks this year? Do you think <laughs> okay, I had to Elmer get that fun. pun in? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to get that pun in when we were, when we were writing down our uh, show notes for today's episode, I couldn't resist, but gets laugh Raquel, are there are the ducks in a situation where they're going to, you know, start to move along that rebuild? They're what 29 points in 39 games, bottom of the West, not, uh, not obviously not their year for them, but could they be starting to get assets for the rebuild to come? Uh, do you think that they're going to move on from some of their mainstay pieces? I mean, it definitely could be right. Like I, I think like, to me, Getzlaff has kind of been out of the running of being a good player for a while now. But at the same time, I look at, like, I never got a chance to watch a lot of Corey Perry last year in uh, in Dallas. But I was talking to a friend of mine, and they were saying that uh, Perry last year, right before, like, training camp started, he slipped on his step and broke his foot. Mm-hmm. And so he started the season off injured, had, like, other injuries throughout the season, and, like, never really got his footing until the playoffs in which he was really good. And then Corey Perry this year, man, like I've said it before a couple of times, but every game there's like three or four times a game where Corey Perry does something. You're like, Oh, right. This guy used to be a superstar. He's just really slow now. Yeah. And And he's he's a really smart player. Like, and surprised me on the, on the stars last year and their run to the Stanley cup final. I remember being incredibly surprised that like, I know Corey Perry from like, you know, his hits, uh, mm-hmm. And the jokes uh, on Twitter sometimes when, you know, he makes he makes bad, bad plays uh, and hits. But I, he was one of the people that surprised me for sure. Yeah. And I think when you have a player who's like at that level and gets was at that mm-hmm. level for such a long time, you might be surprised if you move on, like if he moves on to a team where like he's just a guy instead of the guy, mm-hmm. how much he has left in the tank. I mean, you look at Jason Spezza in Toronto, right? Like he's been phenomenal this year. These guys who have ridiculous levels of talent. Yeah, they're slow. But if you have the depth to insulate them a little bit and just give them some room to play, they're they're better than I think that we like we're so obsessed with like when a player is at their peak and when they're in decline. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people who are following the game, especially from an analytics perspective, associate decline with bad yeah and decline just means not at the peak anymore you're trending downwards but it doesn't mean bad and there's lots of players who are in decline right now who are anything but bad you know like it seems like every year we we hear about like is this the last year that shea weber is going to be good and you know i've been skeptical about him for a long time because of the way he plays the game and his history of playing through injuries but he seems to have an extra gear in him every year where you just think, okay, well, he's still pretty good. He's still, he's maybe not a number one defenseman anymore, but he's still doing a lot of really good stuff and he's pushing play the right way. I think guys like Getzloff have that as well. And I'm, I'm interested to see where he could go because, you know, if, if any team needs a power play uh, aficionado, mm-hmm. a playmaker, you know, he can fit in perfectly there. And I mean, he he's already won a Stanley Cup, but that was yeah. years and years ago. So he's kind of got, and I, I guess not the same level as like a Joe Thornton type, 
but he's one of those guys that's been around in the league so long that he just commands respect wherever he goes. Um, and I'm sure a team looking for somebody like that in the locker room, but also like, as you said, like a power play guy, um, but I guess benefit from him. But I know that I remember hearing on, was it the 31 thoughts podcast that he likes the Anaheim area. And I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he sticks around just because he's been there for a very, very long time. I mean, he's had 16 year NHL career and he's been with Anaheim through all of it even back when they were the mighty ducks way back when. Uh, so who knows if he goes, um, I'm looking now, uh, Ricard Raquel is on injured reserve side so that probably takes him out of the running for possibly being moved unless, you know, somebody wants to pick him up. I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but I just saw that. But as for, I guess the rest of the league, um, who do you see being a buyer at this deadline? I mean, it it's tough. I mean, Ricard Raquel, before we move on, he's mm -hmm. a guy that, man, I know he's had some injuries, but this is a guy who was a 30-goal scorer for a while, and now all of yeah. a sudden it seems like Anaheim is just ready to throw in the towel on him. He's only 27 years old. And I know Anaheim's competitive window isn't right now, so it might be kinder for him to move on. But it's it, I was, I'm a little bit surprised at how often I see his name out there, but, you know. Sometimes... I wonder if it does have to do with the win like their window in terms of, like, competing because – yeah. Anaheim's time to compete. I mean, they've had their, they've had some chances, but they haven't really been like, you know, in the conversation. So they needed kind of this type of rebuild to set them, you know, set them back up for the future. But I, I it, to me, it feels like the timing situation is what 27 uh, looks like. Yeah, 27. So I don't know how long like of a rebuild it's probably going to be in Anaheim, but probably when they're competing or at least when they want to compete, he's probably going to be on the wrong side of 30 most likely. So I, I guess I can kind of see it from that perspective, but you're right. He's not a player. You should probably give up without, you know, making sure that it's not going to cost you in the long run that he's going to turn out to be a good player. Yeah. They've got to get something for time. him. And it, it just seems like his name is kind of out there as an afterthought. And I think for me, if I were the Ducks, I'd want to rehabilitate his image a little bit first before moving on, just because mm -hmm. like his point production is not horrible this year, 22 points in 36 games. But as a goal scorer, it seems like his shooting percentage is only 6.5%. It's half of his career average, mm -hmm. you know, like get him onto a scoring line, try to build everything around him for a while and boost yeah. that up a little bit. Pump those numbers up. Yeah. Pump those tires. For sure. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, a team like like the Colorado Avalanche or something that has the room to add, they're going to swindle you. Yeah. <laughs> They've been swindling everybody lately. Like, I'm, I'm looking around, like, who has space? And it seems like most of the competitive teams that have space have space because of injuries, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, how much can really be added? Like, Colorado has, like, almost $8 million of space. The Pittsburgh Penguins have nine, almost $10 oh. million of space. I can I can feel I can feel a move from the Penguins coming. I yeah. just know. I mean, I know that, you know, They're the, the they've, end, got, right? they've got Ron Hextall there now. And I know sometimes he was adverse to making any major trade deadline moves because I know Flyers fans, you know, wanted to go back to the good old days of when Homer ran that team and it was, they were in on every big name. But I can, I can feel a Penguins move coming. Especially with the I, way they played this year. With how they played this year. And also you look at where they are in their competitive arc, right? And like yeah. we talked about Nashville trying to like maybe go for it one last time. 
Pittsburgh is going to redline it until Crosby and Malkin no longer can. Yeah. Right? Like they're never, I mean, I don't want to say never because they already had Lemieux and Yager. Like this is the second time they've had two superstars, you know, like generational players on one team, which is ridiculous. It's just them mm-hmm. and Edmonton that hog these guys, but uh, it's very unlikely that they're going to have players that good for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense for them to just say, screw the future and go all in every time that they possibly can. Yeah. And that division, like, listen, I think the New York Islanders are a pretty good team. Um, I just don't buy it as them being like a cup contender. I think that they're like, they're the epitome of a team that plays, that punches above their weight, right? Like their mm-hmm. collective talent level. They play a very ridiculously like choking system. But uh, I, there are ways to be, there are ways to exploit that, especially if you're a team like Pittsburgh that has, you know, the offensive firepower to score at will. It seems whenever they're playing, they just, I don't know. There's something about that team. I mean, earlier on in the year, it looks like that they were going to, you know, fall off a bit, but since they've been electric and have surprised me in terms of, you know, I thought this was possibly a year for them to be on the downturn, but the Islanders, I, they're a team that's greater than the sum of their parts. Um, I mean, now that they're missing Anders Lee, we'll see how that cascades throughout the rest of the season and, and, and into the playoffs, depending on how, I don't remember how long he's out for, but like, yeah, their defensive system is great, but it, it can fall apart when you take out a piece like that. Um, and I don't know how, if it'll hold up in terms of, you know, with the rest of the East looking like that yeah it's it's like i i see them as being dangerous but the penguins have like just that higher potential right and Mm -hmm. the islanders have owned the penguins for years now so it's hard to kind of look at that Mm -hmm. but uh (laughs) i I just see that that division with boston falling off is open season right like washington's good new york's good pittsburgh's good boston's okay but like nobody in that division looks like a real high-end competitor to me whereas like the north division has toronto the central has tampa bay and carolina Mm -hmm. and the west has colorado vegas like if i were the penguins it would 100 percent be going all in and especially because they have such so much cap space too like yeah like if anybody goes for hall right yeah like that makes sense put them on sid's wing yeah i mean they don't like i mean goaltending is really good this year defense I think has been better than expected um I mean at the beginning of the season I remember it was like kind of a mess but I think it's been better than they could have anticipated so why not go for why not go in for somebody like Hall to boost your scoring and you know really give that team some depth um I was looking at maybe also somebody like uh the Bruins uh maybe to buy because they're in that fourth spot and you could really like put put like your your foot down, I guess, on the throat if you want to be, you know, a bit more graphic of the Flyers because I don't I don't see any real window for the Flyers getting back into it, especially because Boston holds two games in hand on them. Um, but if you're Boston, you could possibly make them make a move to buy at least maybe not be in on a big name, but to get somebody to help out that team at least through the rest of the season and into the playoffs to see if they can, you know, climb up to the second round or more. Yeah. I I think it makes sense. You know, Boston again, like Pittsburgh is kind of in the last kick at the can situation. And we talked about them at length um, previously last week, especially in our episode with Marissa and Jemmy, which you should 
definitely check out. It's a great time having her on. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think the Islanders are another team that uh, have a lot of cap space due to injuries. I could see them making an ad. They made a big ad last year and uh, that worked out pretty well for them. Uh, I know that Pajot has not been as great this year, but last year he was fantastic for them. I also want to run through, I guess, like a few more of the buyers and sellers because I can tell we're getting a little bit long. But for me, another big possible buyer, the Panthers. They're doing Mm. really well this year. They're really surprising. Why not, you know, treat the team that is really surprised this year and go go in on it? Like nobody thought the Panthers would be this good. But if you're if you're, you know, the Panthers and you're staring down, you're at first place in the central and, you know, Tampa Bay and Carolina are all looking up at you right now. Why not go for it? They've won six games. I think that they're a possible buyer to at least add some depth to that team. Yeah, I think one seller that I'm looking at and I'm paying close attention to is the Calgary Flames. No, oh I think the way things have gone after making the coaching change has been rough to watch. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're going to have to make a stark decision here. And I would not be surprised to see Johnny Gaudreau sent out. Yeah, I was going to say Johnny Gaudreau. Oh, breaks my heart a little bit because I we know how good of a player he can be. And it's just he really hasn't, you know, produced to the level we thought. Um, And I thought he was like one of the players that's like one of the beating hearts of that Calgary team, at least for me, I thought he was. So it's it'll if he does get traded and moved, it'll be heartbreaking at least for me to see him in another jersey because i always associated him with the with the calgary flames so absolutely all right i guess quick other seller for me sabers and devils make sense considering that they're two of the teams at the you know bottom of the east division got some players i mean buffalo you've got rumors abound about taylor hall and all that so i would not be surprised if we see them I guess, take over, I guess, the Nashville spot of possibly, you know, moving some big pieces um, since now, I guess we've come to the consensus that Nashville might just stay put at this deadline. So coming up next, we've got another segment of Get to Know Us with another BuzzFeed quiz. I think Andrew's picked out a really good one this time. I'm excited to get to it. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. There are, there are 18 amazing flavors of Built Bar, including nut and non-nut flavors, with six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp, alongside 12 original flavors, which include raspberry, peanut butter, mint brownie, and toffee almond. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate and are soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for any health-conscious person, as you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, which is to make them a solid choice for the keto diet. Take the flavor profile of Cherry Barcia, for example, with 17 grams protein, 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, and 4 net and four grams net carbs. Also, for a limited time, you get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code Locked 15 for 15% off at BillBar.com. So, Andrew, in continuing with our Get to Know Us segment at the end of the show, where we do a BuzzFeed quiz, you have brought us one today that I'm very much looking forward to. Take the floor. All right. So I think both of us being uh, 
millennials grew up on Pokemon, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I, it came out and became a huge deal during our lives. Well, last week at daycare, our uh, our educator gave my oldest son, Dylan, a Pokemon sticker, which was Moltres. And she was like, here you go, Dylan, it's a Pokemon. And I was like, Dylan, do you know what Pokemon it is? You're like, no, tell me what Pokemon was. So I explained it on the way home. And he was just like super interested. And I was like, oh, well, I'll let him watch an episode of the anime. Mm-hmm. Well, over this long weekend, we're now on, I think, episode 42 of the anime. Oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, after Friday, he basically didn't speak English anymore. And he only sm- spoke as Pikachu. Uh-huh. Uh, he found a little butterfly toy that he has. And he was like, this is Butterfree now. <laughs> and so like everything is Pokemon. You're teaching so- him young, Andrew. I really appreciate it to somebody who grew up on Pokemon. Uh, we love to see we love to see that you know it being passed on to the new generation absolutely and he's he's just super excited i think he's he gets really excited when he can experience something that i like as well which is you know it, it just warms your heart as a as a dad or as a parent it's just it's super fun but uh yeah so we've been watching the pokemon anime and i found a buzzfeed quiz for what uh, og first generation pokemon are you Mm-hmm. So we can go through it. I think uh, since you're the host this week, you can go ahead and read the questions and the answers. All right. Sounds good to me. So on BuzzFeed, it's if you were a first generation Pokemon, which one would you be? So first question, choose something white. And it's a pencil. Looks like uh, this is all visual, by the way. Yes. It's a little bit difficult, but I'm going to make the best I can with it. It's a pencil. Looks like to me like sheets or like yeah, a book. I think it's sheets. Yeah. Linens. Yeah, also pillowcases, a person standing on like a white snowy background, stairs, a flower, a book, and a teacup. So choose something white. Oh boy. I'm going book. Oh, I kind of want to as well. Mm, you know what? I'm going to pick the pillows in bed. I'm mm. really feeling, really feeling that right now. I hear that. I hear that. Choose a pink photo. It's a picture of a bunch of balloons, like a pinkish sky. A sign that says in pursuit of magic, bunch of flowers, a textured wall, really nicely like fuzzy textured blanket looks like, some bubbles, and I guess like a nebulous looking cloud thing. I'm going to go bubbles. I'm going to pick in pursuit of magic. Big into that fantasy stuff right now. Nice. All right. Pick a blue photo. It's like a bunch of sparkles on a blue background, mountains. Kind of looks like an abstract skyscraper, some mm-hmm. cyberpunk looking stuff. Piece of architecture that kind of looks like the Epcot ball, uh, like triangles, another skyscraper, waves, or Legos. Ooh, Legos is pretty good. I think I'm going to go with the cyberpunk style scene, though. Uh, yeah, that's kind of calling to me, too. Yeah. Choose something brown. It's a basic brown texture. Looks like the sands. Next one's like sands and waves brick wall uh curtains a tree stump a picture of a big auditorium like auditorium seats sand and leaves a lot of these are calling out to me but the auditorium stands the first thing i thought of was like going to a sporting event and i was like i need this i need it so bad that's a good one i'm gonna pick the the waves in the sands though miss the beach Especially now the weather. So the weather's nice. I'm looking forward to going on vacation later this summer. How about something purple? Looks like purple paint, uh, skyline, sunset, um, rain running down a running down a wall, a clock, some 
stairs at night lit by purple neon lights, a window, more Legos, and then just a swatch of purple color. I'm going with the sunset. Yeah, I think I'm going to pick the sunset too. I think there's a theme for mine and it's the yeah, beach <laughs> the beach yeah. we all want to go on vacation oh boy yep all right next one pick a black photo this one looks like black sands the other one is a person holding out their hand it's like pitch black outside next one's a bunch of rocks then it's leaves and like just like a black filter over them skyscraper black cat night sky and then another building I'm going to go with the black sand beach because it reminds me of Hawaii. Ooh. Yeah, I, I think I visited a beach um, in California that had black sand, but I'm going with the black cat because I have a black cat, Luna, and she's very pretty. And I think she would take offense to me picking anything other than that black cat. <laughs> All right. Choose something yellow. Um, looks like gumballs or like, like, I guess it was like a ball pit balls. Yeah. Another thing of Legos. Uh, flowers on a yellow background, a lemon, umbrellas, something like a paper mache, rubber ducks, or sheets. Let me go lemons. Hmm. I'm picking the rubber ducks. I'm doing it. All right. Choose a red photo. I believe this is the last one. Uh, it's a red filtered uh, waterscape, red shoes, um, architecture, an arrow, red arrow pointing right. Um, looks like sheets. Picture of red lightning. More neon stuff. And then a neon heart at the end. I think go red lightning because it looks cool. That does look cool. I like the red shoes, though. All right. What'd I'll go get? first. I'll go first. Okay. And I think your son's going to be happy because I got Pikachu. Oh. That, doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. That's a good one. Yep, yeah, that doesn't I got, surprise me. I got Poliwag. Ooh. I don't know where that came from, but I'll, I'll take it. Polywag I like Poliwag. Right. Yeah, it's a it's cute, cute Pokemon. Yeah, uh, Pikachu for me. Um, I know it's a very basic Pokemon to pick, but my first game was Pokemon Yellow uh, growing up. So this kind of means means something special to me. I don't know about you, Andrew, but that's uh, good to see. Even though I'm basic, I love to see it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all into it. I love the original 151. So that's what yeah. I was raised on. Yeah, I don't think he can get any better than that. And that is all the time we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL show as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice and rate and review us while you're at it. You can follow the pod at Crosscheck NHL on Twitter, me at Mary C. Clark on Twitter, and Andrew at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. We'll be back on Thursday with some more trade deadline talk ahead of one of the NHL's most anticipated days of the year. And on Friday, we'll be hosting a locker room in the early afternoon, taking your questions, and just talking some puck, among other things. We'll see you next time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions.
Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.